All right, and we are back for another edition of the Starting 502 Podcast. As always, Presley Meyer, your host for the most, but today I am joined by the one and only, the legendary Jacob Lane. Uh, And and the reason we're bringing Jacob on now, as you probably know if you're familiar at all uh, with with how we operate, I'm kind of the the basketball guy, Jacob's the football guy, but in in reality, Jacob is very knowledgeable, especially by the transfer portal, about player development, He's a huge NBA guy, so uh, this is the perfect time of year to bring on Jacob because this is a guy who is obsessed with the transfer portal, uh, with you know, recruiting in general, uh, player development, who projects to, to go to the NBA, where they're going to land, and can probably tell you a, a sickening amount of players that are in the league that you've never even heard of. So, uh, Jacob, welcome. we got to do this more often where we talk basketball. We It's too few and far between now during our hectic, hectic lives. Well, first of all, thank you for calling me legendary. I don't know if I've ever been called that before in my entire life. So don't I'm get, honored. Don't get used to it. It's okay. Just... Yeah. You, you talk about the portal, man. This is some of the most exciting time of the year for like, for those who follow the NBA loosely, like what makes NBA special is you have the on-court action and you have like all the guys, the big name stars, and you get to see everybody develop and everybody find roles. And then you get guys like Carly Jones who are just trying to catch on and, you know, you get all these stories, but um, at the end of the day, what makes the NBA so special, uh, in my opinion, is the the movement of players, the trades, the speculation, the rumors, the woge bombs. College basketball is slowly morphing into free agency of sorts, and and that's what the transfer portal opening up today is essentially like it mirroring the NFL in terms of the league year starting. This is the this is the new league year for college basketball. Um, I think I saw at one point today 175 players entered the portal. Maybe we'll update that number throughout the show. A record number of players in one day into the portal as it opened at midnight, or I guess at uh, midnight 01 last night or this morning. And a lot to a lot to to talk about. You look at some of these teams that were pretty successful this year, like a Kansas State, uh, like a Texas. Uh, there, there's a lot of these teams that they're pretty much just overhauling their entire roster. Uh, you know, you, you have first-year head coaches coming in and having immediate success. I mean, and, and I think that Jeff Walls, Louisville women's basketball's coach, is a guy who is kind of really just adapting to this. And, and Jeff on, Walls, man. he went to Egypt. He went to Japan to recruit Narika Kono. Uh, my, my favorite story is that he – who was it? Shoni Schimmel. Uh, when she committed to Louisville, it was a really big deal. Uh, and she was down to Louisville and some other big-name teams – and they had kind of the coaching staff had was all in on Shawnee Schimmel. They were convinced that they were going to get her no matter what. They 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 wanted to do whatever it took to get Shawnee Schimmel. And she said, I really want you guys to be at my graduation. Well, if you know anything about the rules of of high school recruiting, it's not legal for, for a coach to be at a at a player's graduation. Why? So why is that? That seems dumb, man. It, it, it is dumb, but it was out, it was you know outside of the recruiting uh, time frames. I, I don't know. I, I'm not going to pretend. I'm not going to bullshit. Sure. Okay. So what's the what did he do? Did he Facetime? Did they so, have him like sit him up on a computer in the front row? No. The entire coaching staff showed up, and they set up across the street from the the stadium, the football stadium where her graduation was. They went to the store down the street and bought uh they bought you know like little lawn chairs like you take your kid's soccer game. Set up across the street. Uh, at a local park and they could hear on the, you know, on the PA system, uh, them walking across the stage and they were going to cheer 
for for Shoni Schimmel and and at the time her, her sister Jude went there as well and was considering Louisville uh, and so they were in the middle of a track meet there was like a cross country meet that was going around uh while Shoni at a Schimmel, graduation dude this seems like a hectic event planning no, day. no so it was it was cross country like at a park across like down the road and so they're just listening from outside the stadium because they couldn't legally be on campus so they had to be down the road away from from the stadium and at this at the time Shoni Schimmel was not committed and when they announced her name she walked across the stage and they said committed to Louisville and so that's how they found out so they were so dedicated uh, she didn't even know that they were there she just invited them wanted them to come and that's how they found out that that Shoni Schimmel had committed to Louisville so there's all these stories about Jeff Walls the reason I get into this is because you see a guy like that who he was, I mean, you, you know, we, we, we get into the stories about how he, uh, during the NCAA tournament, he doesn't like the players eating junk food. So they, they give all the players the, the, these like free, you know, candy bars and, and chips and all that stuff and put it on their beds. And the coaches come in every year and they take the, the chips and they put it in garbage bags and put it on the team bus to send back with, with the bus. And then they sell it at the camp. And they said they normally make about $20 a year off off these chips that they that they take from the NCAA tournament but the whole point is that they're not doing anything they're they're, they're scrounging for money they, there's no stone that goes on unturned uh, when it comes to recruiting so when you see a guy like that he was so dedicated uh, to his craft as far as on, on the recruiting trail and he, all of a sudden he's doing a 180 this year I, if, you, if you follow us on 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 twitter uh, i kind of did a, a bit of a breakdown very brief breakdown of of Louisville's roster turnover this year uh, they're going to have to land either eight or nine, depending on on who else transfers. Eight or nine transfers this year. They have they have zero incoming freshmen this season. They're going full on transfers. Uh, all of this to say that if a guy like Jeff Walls, who is is that dedicated, uh, ha- has done a one eighty, and, and he's depending on the transfer portal each and every year uh, to to make to make this happen, uh, I, I feel like that's a, probably a good sign that that's the direction that all of college basketball is going to go: men's, women's anything like that. And, and you, you see players transferring in mid season, uh, like a sky Clark, um, you know, like a Peyton Verholst. Uh, so it, it's going to be fascinating to see uh, the, the direction that things are going. But I think that if you're listening, I, I, you know, it seems like too volatile of a situation, but especially over the next few years, I feel like in, until um, we get into a good ebb and flow and a good balance of this, this is what what's going to happen. Uh, you're going to see 200, 300, 800, college basketball players uh, in the transfer portal. And it's just going to be about, it's going to be basically free agency and, and about uh, assembling the best kind of roster. But when you have a team like Louisville, who, you know, you have high, highly rated guys, like a, like a Roosevelt Wheeler or a Fabio Basili or something like that. Uh, Fabio, Devin Reed. Yeah. Devin Reed. A Devin right. Reed is a perfect example. Yeah. A guy that comes in, just can't get any playing time. So they just leave it, just go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And if a coaching coaching staff has an eye for talent or they wanted to kind of take a reach and, and give a guy an opportunity, you know, Devin Reed could land at a UConn or a, you know, a New Mexico or something like that, you know, a, a, yeah. a place that's, that's uh, highly regarded, but, but uh, you know, you know, really to, to that point, right? So Kenny Payne as a head coach saw that happen quite a few times at Kentucky, right? Guys like Charles Matthews, who didn't get to play a lot as a freshman, goes on to Michigan, has a great career, likely has an NBA career before getting hurt right at the very end. You have a guy like Kyle Wiltshire. You have Marcus Lee. Um, you know, there's been others who have gone on and have kind of been able to um, bounce back from having the kind of letdown after being a, a very, you know, critically acclaimed recruit. 
Um, and so Kenny understands that sometimes a change of scenery is, is what's best for a player and that um, each of those situations is a, is a player by player circumstance because some of those guys come in with the right attitude, right? That they want to prove that they aren't what they were the, the first year or, you know, whatever the case is, or they come in and they, they have a, just a, a, an inflated ego and they want to be the guy and they're looking for, um, you know, the opportunity to get shots just to prove that they can be an NBA caliber player because no big name freshman ever goes to college thinking they're going to play a second year of college basketball. Like very few, I would imagine the top 150 guys all are telling their families, I'm going pro, I'm going pro, I'm going pro, I'm one year, you know, maybe, maybe not, but I would imagine a large majority of them are. So I think that that's going to be one of the really interesting things to watch with Kenny as he builds this roster out last year, throw it away, crumple it up, right? Everything was just horrible. The worst roster I have ever seen assembled. I told, I sat on this air, these airwaves very early on last year that he really fumbled in terms of roster management. They had some pieces to build around and it was, ended up being a horribly managed roster. But what is he going to do filling, you know, all these spots? He's already got the the three freshmen that are, that are committed or signed and Caleb Glenn, Curtis Williams, and Dennis Evans now who comes into the fold this weekend. Uh, and then you have, uh, Karan Davis, right? So you have a JUCO guy who's going to come in as a sophomore uh, and have three years of eligibility to play. Um, you know, he's a scorer. He's not necessarily a, a proven piece yet, really probably a volume scorer in the JUCO level. Uh, and so you have some pieces, but then what do you do? Are you going to go senior heavy? Are we going to see some grad transfers where you try to catch, you know, lightning in a bottle? Are we going to have a bunch of guys like, say, uh, and uh, Elijah Fisher from Texas Tech who hit, entered the portal yesterday, a five-star recruit who just didn't pan out, didn't see the floor a lot. How is he going to shape this roster? I'm really interested. That's, to me, the most interesting part of this entire situation in terms of what they need to complement the pieces they have. But I'm really interested to see what does Kenny Payne look for in transfers? What yep. does he want? Does he want experienced guys? Does he want guys that scored a lot of points? Does he want guys who were, you know, guys maybe who only averaged nine points a game, like a Kenny Photo who uh, transferred today from Wichita State? Really average pedestrian looking numbers. But when you look at the impact on the game of basketball, he's a winner. He's going to go to a power five school and probably be a starting four man. Uh, and so those are the things that are going to be so interesting. And that's what's so great about the portal, man. There's a little bit of flavor everywhere. And it's all about just trying to build and fit the team that's going to gel and mesh together and be a good product on the floor. Well, let's talk about, you know, what what the what the roster construct looks like right now. Uh, so basically, every time you see a player go out right now, you're seeing a new player go in. Right. I, I think that's that's the best way to kind of explain it to people who don't follow recruiting closely enough. Um, so, so far, we've seen Fabio Basile, uh, who had very limited playing time this year. Kamari Lands, uh, who some were heartbroken over. Uh, we discussed that. In, in past. I really admired that conversation because it's really easy to look at Kamari Lands. And sorry to cut you off, but it's really easy to look at him and say, this guy's going to be a star in several years. And, and I do agree that the kid's talented as can be. And um, unfortunately, for, for a guy who's a shooter and known for being a volume scorer, he very much struggled to do so this year. Um, and, and he's going to go on and rebound, but you know, people are kind of really upset over a guy like that leaving. And, and like you're saying, it's the, it's the approach of, okay, well, we got to go back into the portal now and replace him with somebody better. We need somebody who can come in and do more. And Kamari lands, as you pointed out again, I want to give kudos to you for the data and stuff like that, but you're, you're looking at the defensive numbers and the rebounding. And it's just a guy who really only impacts the game in one way in which last year, 
I don't know what it ended up being his shooting total outside of the free throw line where he was elite. Wasn't very good. And so, yeah, he probably rebound from that. But why not go out and get a guy who's more well-rounded? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think that, you know, it, it made sense to keep Kamari Lands because he was a guy who was already committed. And, and the coaching staff, to be honest, struggled to get guys to, to hang on last year. So just the recruiting of Kamari Lands, getting a guy like that to stay and, and seeing that there's potential there. Uh, you know, if the relationships worked out a little bit better, if there were better pieces around him, that's a guy who could have uh, been much more productive. But uh, you look at Kamari Lands, Mike James, uh, some of these guys were asked to come in and be productive right away. That's not not something we've seen ever at Louisville. Um, and and so it, it's easy to, to look at UK or Duke or uh, Kansas or one of these, you know, upstart or not upstart, but one of these blue blood programs that have been doing this for a while and think it's easy. Uh, but But the reality is, you know, Kamari Lands is, is a top 70, top 80 player for a reason. He's not a, you know, he's not a John Wall. He's not an Anthony Davis, you know, what name, name a player. I don't know why I'm naming UK players. But. No, but I mean, you know, what you thought he could be is a guy like, if you remember for Texas Tech years ago, uh, Zaire Smith. He was, uh, and Michael Bridges is another example of this. I think he ended up leaving after being a freshman. But th- there's guys every year who come in with a 50 to 70 ranking who outperform that rating and end up being a one-and-done player. And the reason why Kamari Lance fit that mold was because he's 6'8", he can shoot, and he's built like an NBA player. And so you say, okay, well, if he can come in here and do that and be the go-to guy as a freshman at Louisville, knowing they're probably not going to be very good, then you know he's going to outplay that and potentially be an NBA player. Well. As it turns out, a lot of uh, a lot of loose ends to tie up in his game, and that's what happens. You know, when you're right in that that area, you know, you have guys who come in and they they outplay it, and they become role players, or you know, they become um, guys who are a part of a rotation, or maybe even start. Or you have guys who are the Devin reason don't play. You know, so it really is a hit or miss with that fifty through you know, 90 to a hundred range. And then it's even more of a hit or miss on when you take the second chance with those guys, you know, like say LSU comes in and they recruit Devin Ree or, or even better Presley Kamari lands with Arkansas. Like I saw that today. I think that that seems like a place where I could see him playing. If he doesn't go to play it, say like, cause I think he's from Atlanta. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but from the Georgia area, he doesn't go back to play at Georgia tech or something like that. But um, it's, it's just always really interesting with those guys. And you mentioned him and you mentioned re, uh, and then you have Fabio Basili, which should have never been on the roster to begin with. I mean, that was one where you just had to take somebody to have a, a warm body and, and Fabio played well. I mean, I'm not going to lie. He was flashy and fun to watch, but he also apparently doesn't do the things that you have to do to be a college basketball player. So that's a completely different story. Um, and, and when you're talking about coming back this year and, and rebuilding the roster, it's how can we upgrade every single one of these spots, as you mentioned. And so uh, what do they do? I don't know. It seems like they're going to go young. You know, if you want to look at the recruiting board, it's it's Trenton Flowers, uh, Darius Carr, who decommitted from New Mexico State. We'll, we'll reach that. I don't know if they ever offered. Um, and then you have Churchill Abbas, the the uh, other big kid from Africa who Louisville has been in on. All these guys are 2023 kids. And, and that right there, if you get a commitment from, uh, well, Trenton Flowers is 24, but likely to play 23 if you fill that up there's your team right there and you're really really young next year which you know it, it's great when you have five-star guys but man I, kenny's really taking a chance if he goes all in on the young on the young team of not making the tournament 
Um, and that's that's going to be a big kind of thing next year, man. As much as we want to try to not put a – you got to get to this point, but fans are so tired of not playing in the NCAA tournament. My daughter is was born in 2017 and has not seen an NCAA tournament win in her lifetime, has one NCAA tournament appearance in that time, which was an exit to freaking Minnesota. I bet you she's going to look back on that and just be so depressed when she gets older. She is. She asks me every day, when are they going to play in the tournament? Did Kenny really win those games? You know, that's my, my son. He can't really speak yet, but he does ask that question. And they're valid questions. They're valid questions. And so if we talk about the roster construct. If Kenny goes young, dude, I mean, then you're talking about next year. Uh, you know, just depending on how it shakes out, probably being a bubble to eight, nine type of seed if you do get in the tournament, you know what I mean, with that kind of roster versus if you go to the portal and you get, say, a guy like a – and we're going to talk about hypotheticals later, but a guy that is playing down the road in Bowling Green, then you're adding a senior, you know, there's other guys out there that you could potentially look at once they get in the portal. Do you build a team that's ready to go win a championship, you know? That's the that's the kind of conundrum here, but you want to upgrade each time somebody leaves. Yeah, I mean, and after the break, we're going to get into that in more depth. Uh, exactly, you know, we're, we kind of talked about who's leaving. Uh, very briefly talked about who's coming in, but I want to get a little bit more into, into Dennis Evans, what he brings to the table for Louisville. Huge news for Louisville uh, over the weekend. Uh, probably the, the biggest momentum-shifting recruit uh, that Louisville's had in, in quite some time. So it'll be... Uh, be interesting to see but we'll, we'll get into that on the other side uh, starting 502 here back i went to Safir today downtown for lunch and uh i work on fourth street which is my one of my favorite spots in the entire city of louisville Safir, if you've not been there you need to check that out but it made me think about one thing and one thing only presley do you know what that is was it LNM Eats? That's correct. The thought of Madden and Luke joining me and breaking down more thoroughly uh, that chicken shawarma that I ate, right? The chicken shawarma with the the chicken, the lettuce, the peppers, the pickles, the tomatoes, the garlic sauce. It was fire. And what we're going to do is we're going to take those boys around the city and we're going to go eat, right? That's one thing that you would think some offensive linemen can do. Two of the highest rated offensive linemen in Louisville football history. As a matter of fact, Madden Sanker, the number one highest rated recruit at the offensive lineman position in Louisville football history. These guys are going to go restaurant to restaurant, try them out, and become locals. That's that's part of being a Louisvillian, right? You got to start asking people, where'd you go to high school? You've got to know somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody, and you've got to enjoy eating local. That's what we're going to do, that third part. We'll probably along the way find out where some people went to high school with Presley, but I'm excited LNM Eats, stateoflouisville.com. Make sure you subscribe to the State of Louisville on YouTube. Follow the boys, what, LM underscore Eats on Twitter. That's correct. We got some places to go, man. We're going to be busy. Let's go, man. Dude, dude, I, I cannot wait for LNM Eats. Like, I, Luke and Madden are two of the coolest dudes that, that have come along in a long time. And talking to those two guys is like, it's like a, talking to guys our age. It's actually kind of weird. Um, and also it kind of helps that Luke is six, eight, 300 pounds too. Cause he just feels like he's just, I'm, I feel like I'm his son. So, and he was born in like 2004 or something. So that's depressing. Anyways, back to the regular scheduled action. All right. We are back 
starting 502 podcast. And before the break, we were kind of leading into kind of discussing what the roster contract looks like for Louisville. Um, you know, we said Louisville's losing Fabio Basili. They're losing Kamari Lands, who, again, is kind of the, the one that people are a bit contentious over. Um, and Louisville's losing Devin Reed, a guy who came in a top 100 recruit and just was not able to find the floor this, this year. I think a lot of those guys not playing had a lot to do, as Kenny Payne indicated, uh, with, with what uh, happened off of the court. Um, and we talked about a bit of Kamari Lands. You know, I talked last week about it, Jacob. I think you agree. You know, Kamari Lands ultimately, it was the defense and the rebounding for me that was just a huge red flag. And if you can't get a guy like that who's playing 20, 25 minutes a game uh, to, to crash the boards and to defend, it was probably better off looking for a guy with either more experience or, or, or that's more willing to play Kenny Payne's style of, of basketball. Uh, but looking at, looking ahead at, uh, at some of the players that are coming in. Uh, so we, we've talked almost ad nauseum on this podcast now because we've been really looking forward to the future, uh, but we've ta- been talking a lot about Caleb Glenn, Curtis Williams, Jr. A little bit about, about Karande, but the name that everybody is talking about right now, is Dennis Evans. Dennis Evans, 7-1. Uh, he, was, he was said to be... Did you catch this today, Jacob? Did you listen to this interview? Um, where uh, Who was the recruiting expert that was on 93.9 today? Uh, Travis Branham. Yeah, Travis Branham said that, that Dennis Evans is 7-2. Uh, I heard that. This is, and so this is a guy that literally his standing reach is 9-8. Uh, so imagine just standing below a basketball rim and you can touch like so high up on the net, you can almost just touch the rim. If he stands on his tippy toes, he can touch the rim. Think about, just think about the the logistics of that for a second. Um, but no, it, it's it's exciting to me uh, in the aspect of, of Louisville finally having kind of a centerpiece type of player uh, under Kenny Payne, and really the first like star five star type of recruit that Louisville's had since. Shane Bahannon? Am, am I missing somebody? I don't think Shane, Shane was a five star. I think you might have to go back to Samardo for a five star big man. I don't. I don't think Louisville's had one. Um, I feel like I, I, Malik Williams, five star big man. There you go, Malik yeah, Williams. I, but I'm not sure Malik Williams was even seen in the same light that Dennis Evans is. I, I think he was. Wrong. I mean, I think he was. I think. I mean, it's a different story. But I mean, Malik was a top twenty five, top twenty guy in some of the ratings. The difference is that Malik Williams was six eleven, not seven foot one or seven foot two, right? I mean, there's only every class so many guys that are seven feet, and there's only so many guys that are seven feet that are top twenty five players. I mean, right. that's a feat. Uh, that that's some homework assignment is to go back over the last ten years of recruiting rankings to determine how many seven footers have been top twenty players, top thirty players, even at that. Um, this kid has game changing. Uh, shot blocking ability. I mean, this is going to give Louisville somebody that is in a Nazma mood. It is a um, trying to think a Gorgie Zhang level of shot blocker and and, a, and somebody that you can really funnel everything to defensively uh, and change things. I mean, if you watch teams that have shot blockers in college basketball defensively, it it really gives you a lot of leverage as to what you can and can't do because at the end of the day, if guys get beat, you have a security blanket in college basketball who doesn't have to leave the paint ever for any reason, unless his, you know, he's guarding a stretch five stretch four. 
I mean, Dennis Evans is at seven foot two with a, what is it, a seven foot nine standing reach. I mean, this is a guy that is going to be a, at a minimum as a freshman, a game changing shot blocker when he's in. Now, look, the kid is skinnier than me and I'm 5'10. Okay. So that should tell you a lot about the weight of him and me. I don't know who it says more about me or him, <laughs> but I mean, we're talking about a guy who's 18 years old that's seven two and he's 210 pounds soaking wet. So, uh, there's definitely room to grow, but he gives Louisville something that last season probably adds four to five wins, in my opinion. If you have a shot blocker, somebody who can truly change the game because of their ability to block shots, they can do that. Uh, and I think that that's what he brings. And uh, as to what his level is, I don't think he's a starting center day one. I mean, a guy at 210 pounds is going to have trouble guarding the Oscar Sheboys and the um, you know, the big men, Henry Coleman of Texas A&M and the, the thicker fellas that, that battled down low. But he is a guy who can be such a strong complement to what we would assume is coming back, which is Emmanuel Okorafor, a, you know, just absolute energizer bunny who is going to rebound and block shots and push off on every pick and roll. Uh, and then you have Brandon Huntley Hatfield, who is going to potentially be back. I mean, he's a guy who could transfer, but if he's not, he's a guy at 6'9", 225, you know, 230 pounds, who is a former five-star player going into his junior season. Um, so there, there's definitely more room for big men, but Dennis Evans is a game changer defensively. And when I look at what Louisville's biggest biggest fault was, fault was this past season, it was not offense. I mean, they couldn't, they definitely weren't great, but they could not guard uh, Joe from the Southeast Christian League, uh, who is on team four, like that wasn't happening this year um, <laughs> at all. And Dennis Evans changes that. And then you add in Caleb Glenn, you add in a guy like Curtis Williams, who has been described for being a very strong two way player at six, eight, 225 pounds. I mean, you're really building out a roster that's going to be more apt to, to rebound to attack the glass, to defend with tenacity, to be willing to die for loose balls and get on the floor, use their link to get in the passing lanes, just things that you take for granted that Louisville was so fucking bad at, man. Excuse my language, but so bad at. It's the worst thing I've ever watched. It makes me just it makes me just like so upset for the ghost of Peck Hickman and the the all the people who are from the you know the the Charlie Tyras who have had to you poured their blood, sweat, and tears into building the Louisville basketball program and for players to come out and play like that. Um, it just it gets you excited with Dennis Evans, what he can do, man. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a lot of pressure on Louisville's guards this year to keep players out of the lane. And I think they did a lot of unusual things on screens. And, you know, I'm, I've come on here and, and, you know, stomped my feet and and yelled about, you know, the, the poor ball screen defense, but I think that has a lot to do as well with, with the defense of, of the bigs as well. Um, when you can't hedge on ball screens at all, when you have to go under screens, uh, th there's just a lot of, a lot of bad that can go wrong. And a lot of that can be corrected. Uh, number one, by adding guard depth, which we'll get into when you have LLS who has to play 38, 40 minutes, every single game, um, I, I think that that's a guy who just, he just can't foul. Uh, I talked about a couple of weeks ago, L. Ellis had six fouls or no, excuse me, had nine fouls in the last six games of the season. That's just, 
that's crazy to think about. Like Samuel Williamson sneezed and had two fouls two years ago. So it's just, it's wild to think about the fact that Louisville had a guard who had like twice as many turnovers as he did fouls on the season. Um, and, and so now you're going into hopefully a roster that's going to be constructed with true guards, true ball handlers on the team. But that also means guys who can actually really, you know, get into a defensive stance and play legitimate defense, uh, who can, you know, go over on ball screens, who can communicate, who can, you know, uh, chase down balls and, and create steals in, in second possessions. But uh, going back to the to the center discussion, uh, I think when you have a center who can kind of just stay just an extra second, extra half a second on, on a ball screen uh, and still not not lose a step on defense, or you have a guy who can just be in the lane and just be that presence where guys just like at halfway through the game just stop trying to attack the basket because they just know they're going to get their shit sent back to them. I mean, Dennis Evans last year, and granted, you know, the, the level of competition is not anywhere close to what it would be in college, but he had 16 blocks in one game last year. Like, just thinking about Louisville like, had, Louisville's, like, Louisville's three primary big men accounted for 31 blocks total all season. This man Talking had about Sydney and Curry having 13 combined. Sydney and Roosevelt, excuse me, 13 blocks Sydney, combined between the two of them. Sydney and Curry, that might explain a lot. Was it, <laughs> was it, uh, was it Curry that was playing most of the games this season? Is yeah, it was. You Sid- got you got me on that one. Sydney played really well under Chris Mack, but but Curry. But it was Curry really that bad. struggled, right? Yeah. Any any man yeah. with two na- first names is is really struggling uh, at anything really in, is, in life. How many men with two first names do you know that are good at what they do? Well, I don't know anybody named Curry. But when you're talking about being able to block shots and get the defense turning into offense not only does dennis evans have the ability to do that in the paint but you're talking about being able to recover off pick and rolls i mean the guy has a seven foot nine standing reach i mean it doesn't you don't have to give him you much keep, room. you keep saying he that is, but but he has a seven nine wingspan he has a nine foot eight standing reach thank you sorry i, I get i get the two terms back and you, forth you yes, have thank a you. seven foot nine standing reach <laughs> i do not not even remotely close i have the smallest arms let me tell you my wife she's she's shorter than me but her arms are nearly double the length of mine so let's let's talk about how god did not bless me with arm length or or leg length really i mean it wasn't in the cards for me but it, it is in the cards for dennis evans uh literally and figuratively and so i i feel like for him he's going to come in next year and really offer the opportunity from a defensive standpoint to get onto the floor right away because he can do things that no one else on Louisville can do. But again, you talk about this is not a guy that you can bank to be your starting center next year, in my opinion, at least not game one. This guy, it's 210, 15 pounds, whatever. There's plenty of time to get stronger. But you're going to need somebody else. If it's Brandon Huntley Hatfield, then great. Well, you know, he's a guy who's going to just be a junior, you know. Former five-star recruit. I mean, there's still room for growth there at 19, 20 years old. But you're going to need somebody to come in probably via the portal or maybe via the the 2023 class, a la a guy like Churchill Abbas, somebody who can come in, who can rebound, who can defend, who can be versatile, who can you know even step down and, and knock down shots. You need the ability to provide um, multiple looks and multiple different things for the offense. And and I do worry if you do bring in a guy like Churchill Abbas, you're probably, probably setting your offense back in terms of your big men with a core four, a boss, and Dennis Evans. Um, so you probably do need some offense there, but you're really setting up your team to win 
in what matters the most, in my opinion, and that's defense and being able to control the game in the half court and be able to really determine what you're going to do because you've got, at the end of the day, people who can defend and win one-on-one. Yeah, let me ask you this. If we're looking at, and we've really not discussed discussed Churchill Abbas or Abis or however you say his last name very much, but if you're looking at the four and the five position next year and you have uh, you have J.J. Trainer, Which I think – I think you can pencil in J.J. Trainer as the starting four next year. In my opinion, I am. Like, when I look at the roster, Presley, he is my starting four. I saw enough at the end of the season next year to feel comfortable with J.J. Trainer as our starting power four, as my starting power four as the head coach moving forward. If So here, here's my J.J. Trainer take. It's my belief that if he has a Jalen Withers-type improvement beyond the arc, where I think he just needs to get a little bit more arc and spin on his on his jump shot. I think he has really good fundamentals and really good lift. Like he squares up really well. He has really good lift on his shot, but he shoots such a flat ball that he's either like you know it's like he's either hitting or he or he's throwing up hard bricks. Hard bricks, yeah, hard. Bricks. I mean, yeah. It's funny. I was having this conversation about JJ yesterday with a buddy of mine. I felt like JJ could have been the team's leading scorer by the end of the season. I could not tell you how many open looks down low he would back somebody in and turn for that jump hook and just miss it or miss the corner jumper um, and the, you know, the three point corner jumper. They, he was so much improved that I think we missed on just how much better he could have been had he just knocked down a few more shots. I mean, he got a lot of shot opportunities late in the season uh, and was just a so-so shooter overall but had moments where he got hot and obviously, you know, he was the most aggressive player by far. So you have him on the roster and you're talking about another guy with just tremendous length. You're really setting yourself up defensively. And it's really interesting. I want to call this out transitioning to the guards, right? So Sky Clark, obviously today on Monday, really being connected with Louisville going to visit tomorrow, Tuesday, probably the day that this is coming out, likely going to be committed. I'd say by Thursday or Friday, and so he's going to be in the fold with with the guards that are currently on the roster, which could include L. Ellis, maybe not. Um, but then you talk about Mike James, you talk about um, Caleb Glenn as a guard forward next year. There's still a lot of room to add guards. But what Sky Clark is not good at, and I, I really thought there was a cool thread earlier from Chris Hatfield on Twitter about Sky Clark's defensive numbers. He's a guy who is going to come in and be even worse than what L. Ellis was. Now, a lot of L's issues was – one, he's playing 38 minutes a game, but two, his effort wasn't there. But Scott Clark defensively this year, when he did play in those 13 games, was just not very good. And and part of the issue with Illinois was Brad Underwood expects elite defense. That's what they do. They get into you. They lock you down. Um, you know, they had several players that were really strong defenders. And so for Scott Clark to not do that, you know, you, you have to come into Louisville and expect that to be the same. But what I'm my point is, when you have JJ, when you have Dennis Evans, when you start to add, um, you know, the Emmanuel Corfors, hopefully developing maybe a, a guy like Churchill, or maybe it's other transfers who come in, you're going to hope you can make up the ground for that to where you can have one or one or two players on the floor who aren't the strongest defenders, but still can be team defenders because of the fact that you have such length and shot blocking opportunity. Do you think that Sky Clark's offense is is? Do you think he provides enough offense that it offsets? what he lacks on defense. You know, I think the verdict is still out on that because in 13 games, you're talking about a guy who only averaged what seven points a game. I mean, the numbers are not great by any means. I mean, he, 
you know, he was out by conference play and, you know, at that point had just a, a, a handful of games where he was in double figures. I'm trying to pull it up quickly here to, to get a number. He played three conference games and overall in the season, he had four games in double figures highlighted by a 19 point game against Lindenwood. Do you know where Lindenwood college is? Cause I have not a clue in the world. No. Lindenwood university is in St. Charles, Missouri, but you're talking about a guy who for the most part, uh, didn't really do much scoring. And when you look at Illinois, I don't know how much you follow college basketball outside of Louisville Presley, but Illinois, by the end of the season, had to uh, bring in a player who had redshirted at the guard position in Luke Good because they had such uh, injury and just overall poor performance from, from you know, they're playing freshmen mostly. It's Sky Clark leaves, and then they're playing guys like Ty Rogers. They're playing guys like um, uh, Sincere Harris and Jaden Epps. And Illinois is still in the tournament because these guys do one thing that Sky Clark didn't do, and that's defend. And that's that's got to be a worry coming in, especially if, if L. Ellis is back. If L. Ellis is back and your backcourt is is L and Sky Clark, you're in for a very, very bad defensive team guard-wise. That's a problem. So I think that that's something to really watch what Kenny does at the rest of the guard positions overall. So, you know, that's, that's one thing. But I do look – I mean, the kid, 13 games – in a situation where I, I don't know what was promised versus what actually was fulfilled. You know, he did get opportunity to play minutes. I, I don't want to sit here and act like he got snubbed. He just didn't play up to what he was capable of. And other guys played better. Those other names I mentioned, you know, Sincere Harris and Jaden Neps, Ty Rogers, uh, RJ Melendez, uh, those guys, those guys from Illinois are guards who are not at the, the five-star level that, he was at Lou good, you know, again, another four-star guard who had to come out of a red shirt. So I think it says something about what Scott Clark was production wise, but I still think when you, you look at projecting outward, that doesn't determine or dictate what he can be for Kenny. And obviously there's a connection and a relationship there that dates back to when, when Kenny was at Kentucky. So I feel confident that a guy like that might be able to get the most out of Scott Clark. But what I'll tell you is no more Sky Clarks. No more. I don't want any more guards that come to this team that can't play defense and that have the ability to fill it up. Like, you can only have so many guys before you start to worry about the shots, you know, and, and what you do there. So, Yeah, well, let, let me say this about Sky Clark. Um, I think that there is probably a disconnect between Sky Clark and Brad Underwood. Um, I'd Brad say that's it. Yeah, that's an obvious thing, I think, when you look at it. When you, when you look at uh, Kenny Payne, and Nolan Smith and Danny Manning, these are very like love them up type of guys. Like they're relationship centered guys. They're guys who are not going to really, I mean, like I, I know that people, you know, players say, Oh, well, if you think that Kenny Payne is, is not very stern, you should go to practice. Um, so, I mean, the, every coach, you know, it's just like, you know, how Vince used to tell us that, that Scott Satterfield will really rip your ass when, you know, he's not in front of the media. Uh, I think every coach will, but you know what I'm saying. Kenny Payne's a gentle giant. He has a very – I want to push back on that. I, I think Kenny has one skill as a coach that's very underrated. And as a father, I noticed this about Kenny very quickly, okay? And so let me just break this down. There, When you're a father or a mother, there is this look that transcends anger, right? It transcends yelling at you. It's the disappointed stare. And it's the unshaken stare of even when you know I'm staring at you and it's very uncomfortable for you and you want to make eye contact with me, I'm going to continue to stare at you. That's a dad move. That's a that's a guy who had to discipline his kid. 
I wonder what Zan Payne did as a kid to make Kenny stare like that, because that is a stare that I admire as a father. I have two little reckless children who I constantly have to stare at like that. So Kenny's Kenny's stare of death is a very real thing. You ever had your father look at you with disappointment, Presley? Yeah, every day of my life. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Dad, if you're listening, that's not true. I agree with that, but there's a very, very distinct difference between the way that Brad Underwood coaches and the way that, that Kenny Payne coaches. Brad Underwood is like of that Fran McCaffrey tree or Bruce Pearl or one of those. Where he where just he gets will, red. He's steamy. He, He's a steamy yeah. bro. He'll he'll blow his top off like no other. And, and most really good college basketball coaches are like that. John Calipari is like that. Rick Pitino is like that. Uh, I so, feel like here's the thing. There might be some some truth to this. The more hair product you have to use, the angrier of a coach you are. Let's think about that, right? John Calipari, I don't know, and Rick that, Pitino, that, they got to put but, hair product in, man. At the end of the Buzz day, Williams, Buzz Williams completely destroyed that. Well, I don't know, man. He's got hair now, so he clearly used hems or something along the way to get that back. I'm telling you, the product gives you the juice to have to be a little bit. What angry. about uh, Chris Beard? I guess he he also uh, he's a red face man. He's a guy who gets pretty angry. I'm not gonna lie. So you're talking about the more products you use, the angrier you are. That's a fact. Yeah, I mean that you might be onto something. You might be onto something there. So can you imagine what Tom Izzo's hair looks like when he wakes up? He definitely uses product. <laughs> Fran McCaffrey, that dude. Tom uses Izzo like has generic that Old Spice type of hair product, but he uses product. Fran, yeah, Fran McCaffrey is like one of those dudes, like. He couldn't even tell you what a selfie is. And can we end the stigma of dudes judging dudes for using hair product? Like, I mean, come There's on. There's a man. stigma behind that? I feel like it. I feel like if people ask you, like, do you put something in your hair and you say yes, they're like, lame. Yeah. You're, you're, you're so worried about the way that people think about you. Oh, dude, attracting women is just the worst. Do you ever have a friend in high school who just didn't brush their hair when they woke up and went to school? Were you, yeah, were you that absolutely. guy? Okay. So I don't want to be that guy. But back to my point is that the more angry you're, you are, probably the more hair product you have to use. Brad Underwood slick back hair. So it holds there for sure. Yeah. So that, that pun intended. It holds. Pun intended. Yeah. So <laughs> look, you know, you, you bring a guy like him in. And, and I think there's some excitement, obviously, is that former five-star player. His brother is also a five-star recruit who was at one point committed to Illinois. But uh, now Ziggy Clark may be an option for Louisville in 2024. Um but there's more needs than that. There's more overall things that you need to look for. And that's what I want to, uh, if you're okay with it, that's what I want to talk about next. So you, you look at what you lose in Kamari lands, which is your shooter, which, you know, Louisville really didn't have a shooter last year. I think Jalen Withers, he ended up leading the team in three point shooting by the time it was all said and done for oh, some odd by, percent by a long shot. Yeah. He yeah, shot, right. he shot almost 45% from right. three. So most of the guys on the team are shooting 28, 29, 30%. And so it's very obvious that when you get a guy like L Ellis who can drive and kick uh, or anybody, a uh, Scott Clark, you need somebody who can shoot. So for Louisville, looking for that out on the on the market is what's going to be extremely important. You know, they're gonna they could bring in some guys who could play at a, a school like a VMI or a Bucknell, and and fans are gonna probably be like, oh, that's you know whatever, whatever. But look at teams across the country that find shooting. You find shooting where you can get it. Uh, two guys I'm watching in their early entries. There's going to be a lot of portal entries over the next month, Presley. But Ethan Roberts played at uh, Army this past season. 
was the freshman player of the year in the conference, shot 41% from three, I think 13 or 14 points as a true freshman. That's a guy that you look at and you say, okay, he can probably shoot the ball in a lot of places across the country. Sean Conway is another name that has been linked to Louisville. I believe Kenny Payne and staff have reached out already. I believe that Matt uh, McGavick either reported that or not reported, but but wrote on it and, and that's been out there. Another guy comes from VMI. Uh, another military institution. He shot 42% on the season last year. He's a senior, though. Big difference. Six foot five, 215 pounds, can play the two, the three. Louisville needs a couple of guys like that. You know, they need a Kyle Keurig, a guy that you can count on to stand in the corner and shoot. Um, and even if that means they have to pull somebody from an Illinois Chicago or a Bucknell or, a, you know, those kind of schools, that's what you want. Um, and then the other big thing is you need wings and you need guards who can do multiple things. I mean, you talked about this last week, man. You need guys who can defend. You need guys who can rebound. You need guys who can be all over the place and really do the little things that lead to winning. And so what's that look like in the portal right now? Well, it's very minimal, okay, from the wing position. You do have guys who were heavy scorers. There's going to be multiple other guys that enter who can come in and do that. Chris Ledlam, one of the biggest names out there in the portal right now from Harvard, uh, was six foot, six foot five, six foot six, is 225 pounds. He can play the two through the four, uh, can score. He averaged, uh, averaged nearly nine points a game to go along with 19 points or nine, nine rebounds per game to go along with 19 points per game. So that's another one of those guys that um, obviously Louisville should have interest in and should be looking to fill. Uh, and then the other thing is the point guard. Let's talk about that for a second. And then I, I'll pass it back over here for, for you to kind of finish off the conversation here. But for me, one of the biggest things that Kenny Payne has to find is the guy who can steady the offense. Now, he doesn't have to start, right? You, if Say an L. Ellis comes back next year. L proved he can be a point guard as long as he can kind of lower his turnovers. He did have, you know, the 31-10 assist, assist game this year. He had countless uh, other games where he led the team in assists. I mean, he led – 78% of the games, something like that. 98, 90% of the games, he led the team in assists. But you need somebody who can come in and steady the offense. Uh, and that's where I'm looking for guys who are going to eventually enter the portal. And there's a couple of names where Louisville fans have already been kind of watching and, and know what to expect. And then there's a couple of other names uh, where maybe fans might not be considering it or might not even think about it. But let's start first start with Davion McKnight, who is a local kid that fans know. Um, average 16.5 points per game, five rebounds and four assists per game. He's a guy who has played point guard. He started for three years now for Western. Now they have not made the tournament during that time. Obviously that's why Rick Stansberry is no longer the head coach there. They've really struggled uh, with very high expectations and one of the best mid-major rosters in all of college basketball over the last few years. Countless four and five-star kids down there have been, you know, part of that roster. Davion McKnight has been consistent throughout his entire career there. He's a junior. As I mentioned, he started a, a hell of a number of games. 17 as a freshman, 32 as a sophomore, 33 as a junior. So 82 out of his 94 games he started, um, has played 31 minutes per game over the course of his career, 31% three-point shooter, uh, and a guy who has averaged five and a half assists on a, a last season, so six assists a game uh, to go along with 16 points this season. That's dropped a little bit because he's had to carry more. This is a guy who can come in, can be a, a starter. He can be a bench player, you know, that can kind of really be your coach on the floor. Louisville, I don't feel had that extension of Kenny on the floor. As much as L was the point guard, Presley, he did whatever he had to do to win. I mean, he literally would drag four bodies at a time. 
to mm-hmm. be close. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and Davion McKnight has a very similar type of feel to his game. Um, even with Jamari and Sharp there, who in his season last year, part of the reason why Davion had so many assists is just the simple lob to the seven foot five big man. Davion McKnight is crafty. He's skillful. He can shoot. He can slash. He can play defense. He's not a great defender, but he can defend at a level that you would expect. He's a guy to watch. Here's another one. This is a name that I bet no Cardinal fan either knows or has even thought of for Minnesota. Talon Cooper, likely going to enter the portal over the next couple of days. Ben Johnson is the head coach there, former uh, Xavier assistant for Travis Steele, a Chris Mack product. Ben Johnson's going to get fired at Minnesota most likely. They've been horrible. Clearly, Dennis Evans leaves there after many are like, what the hell is that kid doing being committed to Minnesota? Talon Cooper finished in the top 10 in assists in, in the in, uh the big 10 last season for a really bad Minnesota team um, had games where he had 10 to 14 assists at a time. I mean, this is one of the best passers in college basketball. This is a guy that if Louisville can go out and bring in, bring in a Davion McKnight to pair with a sky Clark, you bring in some of the other pieces. You're talking about a team that is going to be built to play offense at a high and efficient level. It's a guy with a three to one assist to turnover ratio who can really control the pace and dictate what an offense does. And while L. Ellis was able to really get whatever he wanted last year, one thing he could not consistently do was get the rest of his team to play better. Talon Cooper makes everyone around him better. He's only averages about 10 assists or 10 points a game, but he averages seven assists. He averages five rebounds. This is a guy that's six foot one, six foot two. I think he's listed even maybe shorter than that. Um, he's a guy that I, I've not known a ton about, but I've seen some of his statistics and some of the box scores this year as I follow college basketball. And he's a guy who finished seventh in the country in assists, by the way. Um, who who can come in and really provide Louisville should they have an interest in a guy like him again? He's he's six foot four. Okay, so I'm wrong. Uh, big guy, big guard. That's pretty exciting. Uh, he those are the name the names I'm watching now. But what I'll say, Presto, before I hand it over to you to finish here is, um, do not put all of your stock in Louisville going out and finishing this roster by next week. The portal right now is just the 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 really the tip of the iceberg. I mean, you're gonna have guys go in from you know, Duke and and North Carolina and, you know, Texas and all these programs that are in the NCAA tournament who have players that were fringe starters or who are looking for other roles elsewhere, they're going to enter the portal too. And you could be talking about some real big names coming up available closer to the NBA draft deadline. I am interested in, in, uh, in Talon Cooper from Minnesota. I think that's a great point. Uh, And I do get confused as well because there's the other car kid as Darius um, Carr, who was committed Darius to New Carr. Mexico State. Yeah. Uh, but I also yes. want to point out about Talon Cooper. Played at Moorhead State, uh, actually, for three years, two years before leaving to go to Minnesota. So this is a guy that's played in the state of Kentucky. So no stranger to the Bluegrass. Not that that matters. That, or whatever. That's but still, so it's just fascinating. That's a fascinating connection. And that's like a – that's a deep dive because that seems like a guy who almost certainly would enter the portal – not probably not going to jump to the league or go overseas yet. So he's probably got another year in him. And to me, what I look at, Louisville's trending young right now. Uh, so they land Dennis Evans, right? Uh, and we talked about how, you know, they're they're still trying to go after some young 2024 players. Uh, Carter Bryant, who's the number one uh, forward in the class of 2024, just announced today that he's down to Louisville in Arizona. That seems like a guy who's going to stay in the class of 2024. However, 
Uh, there's a lot of serious uh, steam momentum uh, over Trenton Flowers, a guy who's been who's had Louisville on his radar for it seems like since Kenny Payne arrived on campus, maybe even before that. He has Louisville in his top six and is in Louisville's considered one of the two favorites along with Creighton um, for, for Trenton Flowers. And this is a guy who is who is absolutely eligible to reclassify and could be a guy who could come in as soon as this summer uh, and, and be a part of this team. Uh, so that would be fascinating to see if Louisville lands Dennis Evans. It sounds like Sky Clark could commit uh, as early as Tuesday. Um, so it's 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 fascinating to see uh, the way that Louisville is skewing young. So to your point, Jacob, it would be interesting to see how they kind of age this team upwards. It's very common now to see teams in the transfer portal um, or, you know, some supplementing transfer portal players um, with, you know, high four stars, low five stars. And that's kind of like the secret recipe uh, to to success. However, um, it, it, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how Louisville does that. Right. Because they're losing a lot of experience this year. Um, so I, I want to see if they go after a Davion McKnight. I want to see if they go after a guy like, like, a like a Talon, um, from, Talon from Cooper. Yes. Talon Cooper. And, and let's make God, sure we, like we now I know you do, but let's make sure we establish that these guys, this is pure speculation. These guys are not in the portal. We right. Don't know right. anything. We're, this is simply just projecting out based off of a guy like Davion McKnight, knowing that his head coach was fired. Uh, and knowing that a guy like Talon Cooper entering his senior year has put up big numbers at schools that weren't great and now has an opportunity to spend his final year playing for a team that could make some noise. And, and who knows what that right. looks like, right? right? And again, Press, I also think it's worth calling out that one thing to watch is going to be what happens with Duke's roster. Uh, mm-hmm. Same with Oregon. I mean, that's worth really watching because you have two guys. Um, Maryland, not so much because I don't really think there's anyone on that roster outside of your star players that could really make an impact for Louisville, but Oregon has countless four and five star kids. Uh, and then there's also, um, you know, obviously the connection with Nolan Smith at Duke and I'm watching guys like Jaden shut at Duke who did not, or shoot, I'm not exactly sure how to say the last name that didn't play a ton. Um, at, you know, that didn't really get the minutes. Christian Reeves, the seven foot big man didn't play a ton for Duke this year, sitting behind uh, Kyle Filipowski and Mark Mitchell. So there's there's and even Ryan Young. So there's opportunity guys like that, like we mentioned earlier in the start of the show, that five star, four star kids from Dukes and Kentuckys and North Carolinas are going to hit the portal um, and they're going to be available. You know, who knows? Who knows? Maybe a Jalen Washington from North Carolina comes available. There's all sorts of names, a lot right. of opportunity for Louisville to make noise. And for everyone who you know, said that it really is up to Kenny to to use this offseason. That's what this is all about. And so it's what's going to make this, in my opinion, the most fascinating offseason in, in Louisville basketball history. Because I agree. I your agree. roster additions are really what are is left to get the fan base stoked. There is nothing from this year that would really want anybody to say, I'm excited for the way Louisville basketball is going to go next year. It's all going to be about, about who you add to the roster and how much star power they have. Yeah, Jacob, we're going to have to do this often this offseason because this is going to be a continuous thing. And, and you're going to see, in, in my opinion, I think you're going to see some more guys fall off of this roster, and that's going to open up more spots. You can only have 13 guys uh, on, on a team, uh, so you know, 13 scholarship guys. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what the staff does to free free things up, what players see the writing on the wall, 
Um, and then what players transfer from some of the better teams? I think if you're a Louisville, I think if you're a Louisville fan and you're, you know, wanting to hear, you know, uh, more and more positive news, I think it's great if you come out the gates and you get a, a Sky Clark and a Dennis Evans, right? I think that's awesome. Louisville's getting a head start on everybody in the offseason because they're not, uh, and you know, they're not playing in the postseason. However, um, I, I think that if you're a Louisville fan, also be patient. You know, the season, the the best teams are going to play into April. Uh, and so you want to make sure that there's not going to be players that go into the portal, uh, you know, that are in, in the Elite Eight or the Final Four, um, that, that you know, you, you want to make sure that, that you, you uh, see the entire landscape and make sure that, that you're recruiting from uh, everything that's available and not just grabbing the first player to go into the portal. I think a lot of people are just anxious to land um, whoever's on your radar, but I think it, it, it's it's better for the staff to to really take a step back, uh, consider all their options. But the most important thing to me, Jacob, is is making sure that they're aging this roster up. I think they, like you said, they need an extension of the coaching staff on the floor. Uh, it didn't seem like L. Ellis was that this year. Um, so it's you, basically this year they were asking a lot of players uh, to step from a, a role player uh, type of position into more of a leadership role. And it just didn't work out there. It was just, there was a huge disconnect between the players and the staff. Uh, so I want to see guys who are going to come in like a Jared West or, or a Kristen Cunningham or a, a Carly Jones, you know, that, that type of player to come in and be able to be an instant impact type of guy. Uh, there will be a lot of those guys out there. We mentioned some guys from like military Academy schools. We mentioned some guys from, from high level teams. Uh, maybe you get like a Derek Whitehead from Duke or something like that to, to you know you, you truly you truly don't know that's what makes it so much fun and much like the nba i mean a guy like Derek whitehead at duke who had a you know borderline okay season who was the number one or two player in the country who knows you know for a guy like that going pro may not make sense compared to if he just stays one more year and yeah it probably makes more sense to stay at duke but again you just don't know the connections right. to other schools to assistants man it may, it's what makes this so much fun Exactly. And I think for people listening and, you know, they, it feels like some of these names are random. Uh, but, but the reason, you know, that we spitball a lot of these names is because uh, a lot of these players had connections with Kenny Payne, uh, with Nolan Smith. Uh, and, and then, then secondly, a lot of these players coaches are leaving. And so you're going to see, you know, as, as we're seeing more and more these days, uh, college athletics are very relationship based. And so players allegiances are going to be based on more on coaches and more on fellow players than they are on schools, uh, especially if there's opportunities to, uh, you know, make make money and 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 uh, make a name for themselves at at, at a school, kind of like a, like an Oscar Sheebway did at Kentucky this year. You know, you have guys that could have easily gone pro, but instead, you know, they could stay here and make two or three million dollars and be just an absolute all star uh, where they are. So that that's going to be something that's interesting to watch this offseason as well. Uh, just what are these relationships like? Um, but so far, starting with D Dennis Evans is really positive. And then by the time you listen to this, you could have a commitment from Sky Clark. And uh, it sounds like Trent Trenton Flowers uh, is is leaning to, towards Louisville or Creighton. So we'll find out that on Friday. And we should find out on Friday as well if Trenton Flowers is going to end up reclassifying or if he's going to stay in the class of 2024. So a lot of moving parts, a lot of things to look forward to. Jacob? Uh, really appreciate you coming on. This is going to be a fascinating offseason, uh, as you alluded to. And it's going to be, even though we're going to have a long summer, 
we got a lot of football talk going on. We have, you know, women's basketball still to go. Um, It's, it's going to be a a constant conversation piece, which I think is great because we truly missed having these uh, engaging sort of conversations this whole off season, this whole basketball season, because they just felt kind of like a wash. Uh, This is a do or die type of situation for Kenny Payne and the staff. They have to nail it. And it seems like, um, as Travis Branham indicated today, Kenny Payne and the staff are recruiting with desperation. They're recruiting uh, very aggressively. Uh, they're going after the best players, and they have all the confidence in the world that they're going to land them. Uh, so uh, until next time, Jacob, thank you again. Uh, you can find Jacob Lane at, is I believe it's Jacob Lane 08 on Twitter. Zero 08. Uh, Make sure you throw that zero in there, a little slash. Jacob Lane 08 slash makes all the difference. Um, without slash, um, you have just kind of a, a pretty pedestrian uh, uh, 70s rock band. Um, now, uh, you can follow me at Press Meyer on Twitter. You can follow this here podcast at starting 502. That's starting F-I-V-E, the number zero with the slash through it, too. And you can find us at The State of Lou on Twitter. We're in for our best here yet, man. Uh, I can't wait. Jacob, thank you again for coming on, man. Uh, starting 502 Podcast. Until next time, let's get out of here.